Right now, we're joined by an NFL Network insider. He is the co-host of the Insiders Weekdays. It's noon to 1 p.m. on NFL Plus, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. Of course, I'm talking about Tom Pelissero. Tom, always great to have you on the show. Thanks for making time. Tom, how are you? I'm doing good, Jim. Uh, apologies if my voice goes out at any point. I'm still recovering from a week of the Super Bowl in Vegas. So I got no complaints other than the fact that I haven't been able to talk for three days. Oh, man, I know. I, we're, we're all like that. Preach. You're preaching in the choir. I totally understand. I was there, too. <laughs> it, I, and probably you're as tired of this as everybody else, but you and I have not talked about this, so let me just try and pare this down as quickly as possible. I'm not saying this is why the Niners lost, but Kyle Shanahan did address this yesterday in kind of an intriguing manner. Where do you come out on this? Where do you come come out on 49er players admitting that they did not know the overtime rules for the postseason. But even a Harvard man like Kyle Juszczyk saying, yeah, I didn't know the rule, but it doesn't effing matter. Is that not a bad look for the players? And if it's not a bad look for the players, then in fact, is it not reflective of the head coach? Where do you come out on that? And again, I'm not saying that's why they lost. I'm just saying it's kind of unfathomable to me. I mean, I'd go back and, and wonder if at some point during training camp, sometime during one of those install meetings where maybe you're not entirely remembering things from five months ago, I have to think at some point the rules, which, by the way, were not new this year. At some point, if you, you listen to the Jim Rome show, you turn on ESPN, you show up, you're on social media, somewhere along the line, you should know both teams get a possession. Now, I would say this. I mean, I was in a, in a green room during the fourth quarter. So I'd come down from the press box, and we were all sitting there wondering, okay, this whole the clock's running down towards zeros thing. With this rule, where do we land? And one of our research guys was like, no, 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 no. Even though it's, it's the second drive, so we keep going. Like, there was even confusion among us about that aspect of it. Like, the, both teams get possession. I think that that's well established at this point. The timing was the part that even I was not 100% confident that I was correctly uh, understanding it. You know, in terms of the strategy, and I know that, you know, there were a bunch of Chiefs players saying that they had had that explained to them through the course of the week. I, I imagine, you know, Kyle's a very smart guy. He thinks there are a lot of things in his own head. Maybe somewhere down the line, that's an adjustment he might make of, hey, you know, come to the players with this stuff of what we might do. But I also understand you're going into the biggest game of a lot of people's lives here. Are you really going to clutter their mind during the week with, here's what happens if we go to overtime? No, screw that. Go out and win by 20. Why, why would we need to talk about it? You know, we can definitely debate the, the strategy of it. You never want to hear – you know, players giving what I would call the Donovan McNabb and claiming that they didn't know what the rules were. You never want to hear that. But in terms of the strategy, it's not like you have, you know, a longitudinal data set here where you're going, well, these hundred teams did it this way and a hundred did it that way. No, this is all new for everybody. And in the moment, watching that game, they win the toss. In my mind, I agreed with Kyle Shanahan. I know it didn't work out, but your defense is gassed. Your offense is the strength of your football team. Go down, score the touchdown, and put all the pressure on a Chiefs offense that hadn't looked their best through the course of that game. It didn't work out. Never bet against Patrick Mahomes when it comes down to a last-second drive. Andy Reid and Mahomes are, you know, right now they've created a dynasty, and they deserve every bit of it. We are talking to Tom Pelissero. All right, so let me move along. What about the Chiefs? I spoke to former Chiefs offensive lineman Mitchell Schwartz yesterday. He talked about what it was like, Tom, to go against Chris Jones in practice. He says he's never played against somebody who's had Jones's blend of strength, speed, and football IQ. Everybody knows how disruptive this guy is on the field, but are the Chiefs going to be willing to give him the kind of money that, say, the Niners gave Nick Bosa in September? Well, I mean, that's the big question, which is, you know, Bosa and these edge guys are the ones that have gotten paid 
at the top of the market, but so is Aaron Donald. Now, that was a weird deal where they gave Donald, I think it was about $31 million a year on a short-term extension because the alternative was he was legit going to retire, and they made it worth his while to come back. With Chris Jones, you know, he, he's not a young guy, but by defensive tackle standards, he's not an old guy either. I mean, he turns 30 before next season. Guys at that position can well play into their you know early 30s, mid-30s, and if you watch Chris Jones and you watch Andy Reid you know, flopping on him at the end of the game, you can tell what he means to that team. Uh, Chris Jones and his agents, um, you know, who last year, you know, this past season, week one, they're sitting in the in the press box while everybody's speculating on, are these guys security? No, that's the Cats brothers. Those are his agents. There's no reason they shouldn't sit here and go, you dared him to prove it. He went out and proved it. We want $30 million a year. And if you don't get it, you know, that second franchise tag would be a pretty massive number that doesn't preclude them from potentially using it. I find it hard to believe the Chiefs are going to let Chris Jones out. But on the flip side of that, Brett Veach, the general manager, uh, is always thinking a couple steps ahead here. I mean, two years ago, people would have said, you're nuts to let Tyreek Hill go. It's one of the dynamic weapons in the league, and he still is. But the way that Veach was thinking at, about it at that time was, I can get – multiple premium draft picks and clear up $25 million a year that I can invest on the other side of the ball. And I can get three players that can be impactful. I wonder if some of the same math now applies to Chris Jones. You've won two, two Super Bowls in a row. You've won three in the last five years. You don't have the pressure on you that some other general managers do. You've kind of earned the right, if you're Veach and Andy Reid, to say, you know, there is a price where it becomes too high. Having said that, again, I would not be surprised at all if a second franchise tag is in play for Chris Jones because you potentially could tag him and trade him this time around. Those deals are complicated to do, but letting a guy who's that impactful walk because you're not willing to get to $30 million a year, that to me seems far-fetched. Tom Pelissero joining us. You know, In terms of Brad Veach, I talked to Nick Casario last week when I was in Vegas, and he said effectively the same thing about Veach that you just said. Tom, what about... Kirk Cousins. He's also heading into free agency. He's coming off that Achilles injury that he suffered in October. You're based in Minnesota. You've covered the Vikings for years. What does the market look like for Kirk at age 35 coming off that injury? Well, let's start with this, Jim. Vikings do want to re-sign Kirk Cousins. However, there is going to be, I anticipate, a strong market out there for Cousins because you can go down the list of the league right now and you can find somewhere between 10, 12, maybe more teams than that that don't have a clear answer and that Kirk Cousins would qualify as an upgrade on. Now, it's not to say he's going to have 10, 12 teams in the mix. You know, Tom Brady becomes available, and there's really two teams that were in the mix for him years ago. So it's got to be targeted if you're going to spend that type of money on a veteran player. Cousins, I believe, will be 36 before uh, the start of next season. The Achilles shouldn't be a huge factor. He's, my understanding is, I think he's going to be thrown by next week. So he's ahead of schedule where they would anticipate that he's been. He's never had an injury history. He has never missed games. Um, you know, he's a specific type of quarterback. And if you're running a Shanahan McVay style offense and you prioritize quick processing, get the ball out of your hand quickly, um, be automatic on those reads, he can be a very good fit. Uh, for your system. So, you know, the Vikings are in a unique spot here. Just think about this, Jim. They've got probably the, maybe the two biggest free agents, the two guys who get paid the most in Kirk Cousins and Daniil Hunter, and they can't tag either one of them. Hunter has a no-tag clause, and Cousins, who's already been tagged twice, so this is largely moot, the third tag would be an astronomical number, but they his contract voids after the tag window closes. So you can't tag either of the top free agents Going into this year, on top of that, 
You have Justin Jefferson, who's going to be looking at $30 million plus per year on his own contract extension, and he's going to want to know what is your quarterback plan before he is willing to sign anything. So you've got three players who are all going to get quite possibly $30 million plus. I can't think of another team that's been in that type of a spot. Jefferson's not a free agent, obviously. He's got another year. you got tags on top of it. you got a ways uh, that you can go here. But with Jefferson, you're also running the risk of if you're going into year five with the guy, okay, at some point he's going to say, I'm not showing up, and I'm going to eat the fines, and I'm going to wait. Jefferson's such a good kid. He really is that, you know, he played out last year at a pretty low number. That's not going to go on forever. So you have all these interconnected parts, which brings us back to the Kirk Cousins market. I do believe if you look around at an Atlanta, at maybe a Denver, though they got to figure out some things with Russell Wilson, there's going to be other teams that are looking at this and saying, we got a really unique spot. If we think over the next couple of years we can win, Kirk Cousins can be that guy who gets us over the hump. At some point there becomes that number that's too high for the Vikings, at which point my anticipation, nothing's done yet, but my anticipation would be they would look for an economical type of veteran, a guy like Sam Darnold, who was the 49ers backup this year, somebody who can bridge you to a young quarterback, and then maybe they're drafting a rookie, whether that's in round one or round two of the draft. They've got some really interesting decisions to make in Minnesota, but one way or another, Kirk Cousins, there's every reason to believe that barring a massive contract for Baker Mayfield, which is possible because he played really well last year, Kirk Cousins probably once again is going to be the highest paid player in free agency. Really interesting scenario that you lay out. In fact, Tom, what about that? I saw Baker Mayfield also last week. Do you think that he's going to get a massive contract? Here's what one general manager said to me, and I think that this is what you kind of got to think about. There are no mid-level quarterback contracts right now. If you look down the list, there's almost nobody who's making in between $35 million a year or $30 million, wherever Jared Goff is, right in there, and like 10. And so for Baker Mayfield, all of a sudden, he's getting pushed up into that upper echelon. I'm not saying that he's going to get $50 million per year, but he quite possibly, based on what he did last year, becomes a $40 million per year player. And then throw on top of that, I think everybody's already writing this, that, you know, this is getting done with the Bucs and he's going back and they hired a guy who knows him. Well, who else hired a quarter, uh, a uh, offensive coordinator that Baker Mayfield knows? The division rival Falcons just hired Zach Robinson. He spent the exact same amount of time with Baker Mayfield that Liam Cohen did out in L.A. at the tail end of that season a couple of years ago. Could the Falcons, who also have a quarterback need, at minimum make a play for Baker Mayfield that drives up the price? I think there's something to be said for Baker with all of the transition from Cleveland to the Panthers to L.A. to Tampa, maybe he just wants to be in one spot, and I would 100% get that. But just from a a money angle, there's not many starting caliber quarterbacks, Jim, that are available in free agency. It's really – it's Cousins, it's Mayfield. Then you can kind of argue over what is Tannehill at this point, what is Flacco at this point, and then you got a bunch of those kind of bridge guys, you know, the Minshews and the Darnolds. Jameis is a free agent again. Mason Rudolph's a free agent. Wentz will be out there. Brissett will be out there. You know, if you're going to go and get a dude to start right now, you're going to have to pay. I, I do think Baker Mayfield's going to get paid. He's sure not signing for $5 million like he did last year. I mean, he's earned it. It's just a matter of does he become that rare 
mid-level quarterback that's getting like twenty million, or does he get pushed closer to forty? Put me put me in line for the uh, the latter of those. Oh no, I think so too, and I think you described him perfectly. He is a dude. That guy's a dude, and I sat with him, and you know you feel that vibe, and you see why guys love him. First of all, Tom, really heroic effort by you today. You sound great. One last thing, if you can hang in there, I got to ask you: Jerry Jones hired Mike Zimmer to come in and fix his defense. Should Mike McCarthy struggle early or implode late? Do you think that Jones believes he's got a coach in waiting in Zimmer, or do you think that he would have a greater interest in Bill Belichick? Well, first of all, Jim, I just want to check. Did anybody tell Rex Ryan yet that he did not get the job? I just want to make sure before we proceed here that Rex is 100% aware now. I don't know that he knows. Not, yeah, not I don't know. the defensive coordinator. They had to work out some contract things. Zim's there. I don't think it's so much a coach and waiting thing because this is Mike McCarthy's guy. Mike McCarthy, and I remember talking, I've known Mike forever, you know, going all the way back to when I was at the Green Bay Press Gazette like 15, 20 years ago. And Mike would always speak so highly of Zimmer, how hard he was to go against, what an upstanding guy he thought he was. So when Zim, you know, became available, obviously he's been out for the last couple of years, but Zim called me up a couple months ago. I was just saying like, hey, I want to I want to get back in. Like, you know, I, w- I want to – you know, I, I've been studying the tape of all these different teams. I'm doing, you know, different research on schemes. I'm studying analytics. Like, I want to go. And so, you know, he was in the right mindset. And so then, you know, when McCarthy was looking around, Zimmer was the the logical guy. He had what I was told was an excellent interview with the Cowboys. Uh, he is absolutely – I've known Zim a long time, too. He is mentally and physically refreshed. You remember everything that he went through toward the tail end there with, you know, all the eye surgeries. His son tragically passed away uh, a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Zim is, is ready to do this thing, and he's going to come in there. I know he's 67, but he doesn't look 67, doesn't sound 67. He wants to go in there and kick everybody's ass and be a head coach again somewhere in 2025. But this is not a, you know, Jerry making this move. This is the guy Mike McCarthy absolutely wanted to be the D.C. It's a big year for everybody. There's no doubt about that. Everybody involved knows that. But when you look at the level of talent that they've got on both sides of the football and you get back at Trayvon Diggs, which is going to be a big deal for them, this is a Cowboys team. I know we always say this, Jim, but it's a Cowboys team that should be absolutely a Super Bowl contender right now. And I also thought this was interesting. When I interviewed Emmett Smith on NFL Network at the Super Bowl, it happened to be – just based on scheduling, the morning after Zim had agreed to terms, days before Rex was notified, but after Zim had already agreed that he was coming on board, I asked Emmett about it because Emmett was there the last time Zimmer was the Cowboys defensive coordinator back in the early 2000s, and he said Zimmer is old school, and this team needs some old school. What he meant was it's great to have this very positive culture that Mike McCarthy has built. It is very player-centric. But maybe on some way, and Dan Quinn did a phenomenal job there. She's taken nothing away from DQ. But DQ's all the positive reinforcement. It's all positive. Zim's going to chew your ass. He's going to jump you every now and then. What Emmett was saying was maybe this group needs a little bit of that in the building. I think it's going to be a different dynamic there. I think it can be really productive. I am excited to see the 2024 Cowboys. Uh, I, I love Zim. I love Zim, and I'll be excited to see them if he can figure out how to stop the run and take advantage of what Micah does best. But I think that's what that guy does. That's why you bring him in and to kick some ass. 100%. He is an NFL Network insider, and Tom, I feel you. I know what it's like to be there and work those hours and come back and show up and do a show that's not your own show. So I really appreciate <laughs> you, man. Great job. Great job. Appreciate hey, that, Tom. Less than a month away from free agency, man. The voice will be back. I'll be ready to roll by then. Don't no worry. doubt. No, you are. Appreciate you, dude. Great job. Tom Pelissero joining us.